Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 14, verses 1 through 7, found on page 1096 in your pew Bible. Again, that's Acts 14, 1 through 7, 1096 in your pew Bible. Uh, before I get started, a couple of announcements. Uh, tonight, there is a prayer meeting here in the sanctuary at 5 o'clock. Um, we hope that you'll be here if you're in need of prayer, want to learn more about prayer, um, want to enjoy time with Jesus. This is your time to come at 5 o'clock tonight. And then next week, I know you all come to worship at the 11 o'clock service. Uh, my daughter, Avonlea, has been on a bit of a journey since before Easter and has come to the decision to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And so next Sunday, following the 9 a.m. worship service, we're going to go out to the beach and she's going to be baptized in the name of Jesus. And I couldn't be more proud. And I also couldn't say thank you to you enough. Um, Kathy just walked out and Pastor Chris is back there. And thanks to both of you for watching over my daughter and raising her. And thank you as a church for helping me raise her in the way of the Lord. Um, it will be an exciting day um, for me, for her, and for us as a church. So before we get started, let's pray. Oh, holy God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, oh God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. You know, we all have fears, phobias. Um, my wife and I, we may be raising our youngest son, Davis, with unnecessary fears of spiders and alligators in hopes that he would stay in his bed at night. Uh, but we all have different fears. Uh, me, personally, I'm afraid of heights. I'm, I'm completely terrified of them. I can't even get on my roof and put up Christmas lights. It is debilitating to me. Uh, my, my, knees, my knees quake and you just have that pit in your stomach that says this is wrong. Um, <laughs> and yet I have small children who love amusement parks and my wife who loves amusement parks. And it's been kind of a blessing that we've had three kids. And so there's always been one of them that's been tiny enough, not able to ride the roller coasters. That is ending very soon. And so I'm going to have to be getting on roller coasters with them. So my day is coming. But we have fears, right? Some of them we can say are pretty rational. Like I believe my fear of heights is pretty rational. Um, yet they can also be a bit irrational and they can cause us to be debilitating. And one fear that, that can be debilitating to our entire life is a fear of man. Now, you probably don't call it a fear of man, but maybe you say it in other terms. You're afraid of what others think of you, that there's a ton of weight that you put into other people's opinions of yourself. Now, you may be someone who's quite successful and quite confident and believe I don't have the fear of what others think, but there might still be that fear implanted in in you because you've been so successful, because you have such confidence in always being on top and winning that the moment that doesn't occur is when you will find out how deep that fear lives within you. That maybe what drives you to that success is 
the applause received for it. Then there's others of us who have been discouraged and rejected at different points in our life and feel as if the world has told us over and over and it made it abundantly clear that we are unworthy. Folks, God knows all about you. God knows everything about you. As bad as you think you are, God knows about it. What others think of you, God knows about it. And still, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, proving God's love for each and every one of you. See, our identity isn't to rest in the weight we give to other men and women in this world. Our identity rests in Jesus Christ alone. Our identity is found in whose and whom we belong to, which is Jesus Christ, who lived and died, was resurrected, and is perfect in the sight of his Father. And so, because he is perfect in the sight of his Father, because of what he accomplished on the cross, in the sight of our Father in heaven, you too are seen as perfect. That is where our identity comes from. This is where Paul is able to write in Romans 12, verse 2, do not conform to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That in Hebrew, when it talks about glory in the Old Testament, glory to God, that glory doesn't rest with man. This word glory is the Hebrew word Kadav. And this word, actually, when you go to Strong's and you translate it, which you have the ability to do, and even with the click of the internet, and you will find out that glory translated into Hebrew, translated again in, into a stronger definition, means weight. Glory to God means that we give weight to God, that, that we give weight to his opinion and his thought. That, that when we pray before the message is given, that our Words in our meditations in our hearts are acceptable in God's sight, not in man's sight. And, and so when we talk about glory, when we talk about giving God glory and doing things for the glory of God and not for our own self-glory, we're talking about where does the weight fall. And when we have a fear of man, we get a bit debilitated and we no longer are concerned primarily with what God thinks and is acceptable to him, but we begin worrying about what is acceptable to others. And it causes us to conform to this world. Well, here in the scripture today, we're going to find Paul and Barnabas in the middle of their missionary journey. They began in chapter 13. They were there at the church in Antioch and they had been fasting and praying and they were there with other church leaders in the whole church. And the Holy Spirit said clearly that these two are set apart for ministry that I have called to the Gentiles. And it was from there that they began their missionary journey. So let's pick up where they are today in chapter 14, verse 1. Now at Iconium, they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. But the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. 
So they remained for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, and some sided with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentiles and Jews with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and to Derby, cities in Lycania, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. Here ends the reading. So here's Paul and Barnabas in the middle of this missionary journey that they've been on. You remember they're called out of Antioch. Barnabas, we know according to scripture, is actually from the island of Cyprus. And he was a Jewish man of the Levite tribe. And so when they leave Antioch, what happens next is they head to Cyprus. And when they go to Cyprus and they begin preaching the gospel, these two great missionaries, Paul and Barnabas, are met with indifference. They fail immediately. When they present the gospel of Jesus Christ, the overwhelming response is, meh. And they move on from Cyprus without a single convert. And there they go from Cyprus to Paphos. And and in Paphos, they finally get their first convert. Finally, in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, they have a convert to the gospel, but it comes with battling great opposition and battling a wizard named Bar-Jesus. These things really exist in Scripture. And then they go from Paphos, and as we saw last week, they're in Pisidia in Antioch, another place in Turkey, and they have great success. Many people come to faith in Christ, and yet trouble still follows, and they are met with great opposition and threats against their life, and they're run out of town. And then we see them today in Iconium, initially met with success, people coming to faith in Christ, and then they face opposition. Then they face divisiveness within the town, and then they learn of threats on their life. Now, if we were guidance counselors for Paul and Barnabas, and they had been met with indifference, battled a wizard, and then gone to multiple cities with threats against their life for what they had been called to, we might begin questioning whether or not they should continue such a calling. For it would end up getting them killed. This is a dangerous thing they've chosen. Yet we see Paul and Barnabas remain, remain steadfast. And in fact, when they're here in Iconium, not only did they see division amongst the city, division amongst Jews and Gentiles, division amongst family members, just as Jesus said would happen in the Gospel of Matthew and Luke, that his gospel would cause division. But there, when they're met with the first sign of trouble, what do Paul and Barnabas do? Scriptures tell us they remained for a long time. When they're met with opposition, when they're met with people actively seeking 
to stir up trouble against them, they remain, they stay for a long time. They don't mount up a defense against what's being told against them or what's being preached against them. They continue being steadfast and faithful to the proclaiming of the gospel. They're unfazed and unworried by indifference, opposition, and persecution. They stay true to the gospel. And it says, not only do they remain for a long time, they keep preaching with boldness. Boldly proclaiming Christ and him crucified. And it wouldn't be until they find that their lives are threatened that they walk out of town. And God called these men to mission. They could have quit. Everyone would have understood. Hey, you were met with indifference. It's not going that well. You get chased out of every town. They're trying to kill you. Yet they endured. They persisted. They continued in their calling. Not only did they stay a long time, but when their lives were threatened and they go to leave town, the scriptures tell us it ends in verse 7, and there they continued to preach the gospel in these new places they went. They didn't just pack up and go home because their lives were threatened. They continued to proclaim Christ everywhere they went. I imagine that when Paul and Barnabas are leaving town with their lives being threatened by the townspeople that they have an enormous grin across their face. They count it as joy. So we see here in Acts, the gospel continued to move. Believers continue to grow. But we also see the very resolve of Paul and Barnabas to preach the gospel, to persevere, to persist and endure. Paul writes in his letter to the church in Corinth that he would start on a later missionary journey. He writes to them in the 15th chapter, beginning in verse 56. He says, The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, because of this victory in Jesus Christ, he writes, Therefore, my beloved brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Because of what Christ accomplished on the cross, death is no longer a concern for we stand victorious over death with Christ who defeated death on the cross. And because our labor is not in vain, because the work we do is not in vain, Paul tells us, abound in it, overflow in it, Keep doing it. Do not quit simply because you face indifference or opposition or persecution or even mockery in your own lives, but continue on. Stay with it. We have this habit when it comes to evangelism. Many of us to think, well, you know, that's for somebody else to do. 
at somebody else's calling. I've tried telling someone about Jesus. It didn't go so well. Or we have that debilitating fear of man. What if they say no? What if they reject me? What if they mock me and make fun of me? What if, what if I face persecution and ostracization from the social group I am in because of it? It feels a lot like the same feelings we all had in middle school when we had to ask someone to the dance, doesn't it? What if we get told no? The biggest fear we have is not only being told no, but the laughing and giggling that ensues as we walk away. Maybe in a moment when you've tried sharing the gospel that you faced opposition and they began challenging you on your faith and you felt completely inadequate to be able to defend it. You said, maybe when I learn more, I'll get there. But you never reached it. See, this fear of Man, this fear of what others think, this weight that we put in others can really debilitate us in this life that we're called to. See, when Paul writes, he says, when he says, therefore, be immovable, be steadfast, don't move because of the wind, don't worry about what's going on in the world around you, but stay faithful in the gospel of Jesus Christ. He says, you can do that because Jesus has victory over death. The worst that the world can bring upon you Jesus has defeated. And not only can you do this because Jesus has defeated death, but because your work, your labor will not be meaningless in the eyes of the Lord. So do it aboundingly. Overflow in the work that you are called to. See, Jesus Christ gave his life for us. And he calls us to live our life for him. This means we're not living for ourselves, for what's easy, for what's comfortable, for the work we're called to make disciples, baptize them, be witnesses to the gospel, be salt and light, to care for those who are without a home, to care for those in need, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked, to visit those in prison, and to welcome the stranger and those immigrants in our midst. It's not hard. It's hard. It's not easy. We face great opposition, indifference, and persecution for following Jesus. He tells the disciples that all the time, you will be hated for my name's sake. The gospel we see here in Iconium is divisive, just as Jesus said it would be. No, no. Simply because we fear the opinions of others, we cannot be quiet for the sake of the gospel. For it's this gospel that we know that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, proving his love for us. This love that rescued us from the very depths of darkness and sin that we were experiencing in our own lives and brought us to new life in Christ Jesus. We cannot be quiet about how he has transformed us and we are born anew because of Christ. 
that we have freedom from the, sh- from the chains and shackles of sin and death that once held us, that promised us joy and life, but all that we got in return was death and destruction. We have freedom from the lies. We have freedom from the worry of what others think to live freely for Christ. See, when we face indifference and opposition and persecution and mockery, we can begin to get discouraged in what we do in our lives. And the self-help gurus and the motivational speakers, they'll tell you that one of the keys to perseverance is to believe in yourself. Don't. Don't do that. Don't believe in yourself, but believe in the God who saved you. Believe in the God who called you and rescued you. Believe in the God who loves you so deeply. He gave his only begotten son so that you may live. Believe in what God has called you to. Believe that he is using you for his good purposes. Not so you may be glorified, so he may be glorified. Living for Christ will cause us to face indifference and opposition and persecution. Telling others of the gospel may result in ostracization and mockery in our own lives. But don't stop telling people about Jesus. The news is too good not to share. James, he writes in in his book, in the first chapter, beginning in verse 2, he writes, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. That's why we can see and imagine that Paul and Barnabas, as they leave Iconium, they have an enormous grin on their face. It's why we can believe that when Paul writes the letter to the church in Philippi, and he's in the midst of suffering, facing a death sentence, that he writes about joy in Christ in the midst of his deep suffering. Count it all joy when others oppose you, when you abound in that work Christ has called us to. And what exactly is this work we're called to? We're called to persevere to? Paul tells us. He tells the church in Corinth, and he also tells the Colossians. In the third chapter, verse 17, he says, This is the work we're called to. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God, the Father, through him. Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. So we're going to have a moment of real talk here. It's going to be quite upsetting for some. If you're doing something, it's not in the name of Jesus, stop. Stop doing it. Repent. 
turn to Christ. But do everything that you do in the name of Jesus. It means to the spouse you've been called to, to the children you care for, as grandmothers and granddads, as aunts and uncles, as friends and neighbors, and yes, as enemies. Because Christ calls us not only to love our neighbors, but to love our enemies and those who persecute us. For he was generous with the very grace he gave us. This calling we have is to not only share the gospel, but to continue to do good deeds in everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. Do not be discouraged. Do not be discouraged when you face opposition. Keep going. Stay with it. Endure. Persist. Count the opposition as joy, as pure joy. Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5 of the Gospel of Matthew, he says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. And they persecuted Jesus who was before us. And they persecuted the apostles who were before us. And they persecuted the early church who was before us. At every level, the gospel has been met with indifference, opposition, and persecution. And yet, at every level in reading throughout scripture and going throughout history, the gospel continues to go. Believers continue to persevere and persist and to endure. The gospel continues to get shared because Christ has victory over death, because this work is not meaningless, but we are to overflow, to not give up and to endure, to count it as joy. If you're feeling discouraged, if you're feeling like you can't continue in the work that you believe God has called you to, I ask you, is God calling you to quit? Or are you simply giving up? Count it as joy. For your reward is in heaven. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you praise and thanks this day that you have given us a Holy Spirit that gives us the power to persevere It gives us the courage to not put weight in the men and women of this world, but to put weight onto you. Lord, let that spirit convict us and guide us, uphold us and strengthen us. And may in everything we do, we do it in the name of Jesus, never ending. It's in his name we pray. Amen.